Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Something Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, today joined by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones has managed to join us today. Alex, <laughs> lovely to have you with us. Good to be back. Did you enjoy last week's episode? I did enjoy last week's episode. It made for a pleasant Tuesday. It's, it's always, the, as I said before, it's always, the, it's always the flip side of it. When you don't feature on there yourself, you get to look forward to the excitement Even of the Sean unknown. Even with being on. There we go. I know, I know. So, he, he was all right. He was pretty tame. So about 12 weeks ago, we had Keenan on the podcast. I think it was like the first or second podcast we did once lockdown kicked in. And we spoke about the world record attempts that we we're going to be going for. I was going to be going for the most filet fish consumed inside three minutes. Unfortunately, I don't want to be harsh here. The swines at Guinness World Records <laughs> declined my attempt citing the fact that there's no specific measurements for a fillet of fish and so it's impossible to judge but let me tell you, looking on their I website think, I, I think i think that's like a polite way of them saying it's not us it's not it's not you it's me. <laughs> i mean but there's there's nonsense like how many danish grasshoppers have jumped on a pineapple on a tuesday evening <laughs> And that's a record, but they won't give me a filet of fish record, so... That's bullshit. Does that include the bun, or is it just the filet of fish? Well, I don't know, because they didn't approve it. Right. But it would have been bun as well. But, but they, did imp- they did approve Keenan's attempt of a world record, so that will be taking place as soon as we can really link back up, and we'll live stream that before we do an episode. <laughs> and that's to eat a jam donut with no hands... And he needs to beat 11.41 seconds. So that includes the donut being on a surface, him picking it up with his mouth, eating and swallowing it in 11.41 seconds. Again, how do they how do they measure the size of said donut? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I would say alien, a fillet of fish is more just, specified. Well, there was the a thing record is... for sausages swallowed in three minutes. Well, it, the thing is, how I long think, is a sausage? Yeah, Could be have the cocktail sausages. 
I think I think I don't think I think they give you a logical answer when really all it was about was nobody's interested in affiliate fish. That's basically it. It's kind well, of anyway, Alex. It's, it's the community shield. Have um, some respect. It's easy, it's easy to give. It's easy to give it the big one. Then you and Hartstein there. You try and give either of you a record. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth. Neither of them will answer the call. Hey, no. I quite, quite literally, Alex didn't answer the call. I phoned him today, and he didn't it's answer. Funny a, it's funny because I was at work that, and that's what <laughs> do you know? Can you not answer your phone at work? I thought you were an engineer. I thought you were a bit more important than that. I'm answering my personal phone at work, and I'm not always at my desk where my phone is because I'm out on the shop floor. It so. was a business call. It's <laughs> not a bloody business call. That is business. I, I, well, I, I say, it, like pre- Byron has managed to pressure the pod into, hey, into doing hey, into do records in a very Epstein way. This <laughs> <laughs> is the weirdest. Shots fired. It's, it's like he's just learned who he is today, <laughs> and it's suddenly firing the names in there. <laughs> I think you mentioned him more than Jonathan really. Woodgate, and you didn't give him any props. <laughs> Byron's got pod members recruiting other pod members to do Guinness Book of Records for $200. Well, <laughs> basically has. Well, I mean, Alex actually had all the tools which we'll get to to do a world record. And I'd need an explanation on one of these. So anyway, back then I applied for the longest video game marathon on a football management game, which I should receive confirmation either way for tomorrow. as I made that application the day after the Philair Fish one. We have submitted an application today for the longest uninterrupted live podcast episode. 41 hours is the current record. Jesus. It just requires a constant feed and there to be some level of... I don't know the right word. They require you to be doing something. You can't just set the feed up and have a 41-hour blank (laughs) episode. Could you be proud of your day? (laughs) You, I don't think you could do music because then you'd be copyrighted, but quite literally we could be watching what a UFC event, song? watching the whole Super Sunday, Super uh, all the three o'clock games, watching the UFC pay-per-view, playing FIFA, whatever we need to do, we can do it. You can have guests come in and out. So That's not a bad chat. We could do a FIFA tournament. It's doable. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Rory, we have submitted for him for the most chicken nuggets eaten in one minute. He needs to eat <laughs> over 200 grams worth, which equates to roughly 12 McNuggets. In how long? In a minute. What's the time? 12 in minutes. A, 12 in a minute does not seem that... that no, oh. I think that's doable. Well, you should have I jumped to that doable. one then, Alex. <laughs> I thought about it. I did. The Keenan. problem with the nuggets is you'll need dip on them. <laughs> so can you can said, you pre can you pre what's your them? what's your go-to dip for a nugget barbecue see i get all of them because i like the curry I like ones the, the best no, yeah. no. Yeah, is there any issue with the way i say nugget <laughs> yeah, there is there's not alex and jack didn't pull me up on it which makes it's... me think we, we didn't want to draw wrong with how I yeah, say it. It's more, you're more you, you say more of a nugget than it's a it is, isn't it? It's an I, not an E. Yeah. Nuggets. Nuggets. Nugs. <laughs> so anyway, Rory has had that application submitted. Reference the one for Keenan, and I think you can learn a thing from uh, Keenan, Alex, because we mentioned this on the podcast. Within three seconds, he was, like, "I'll do that." 
Like he, he answered the call. That is, we've, <laughs> and we've that's got more there. difficult than any of the ones I sent your way. AJ's a fighter or call out everyone, and then when he gets given the chance, no, 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 no I, don't, I, don't so, I don't think so. Alex has been asking, like, I've just put a lamb to slaughter here when we're asking him to eat grapes. So <laughs> he had a big thing the other day about how much he can eat. 73 grapes in one minute is what he needs to do. And the way we go about that is beforehand, we film dropping 74 grapes, I suppose, into a bowl or whatever. And then we can quite clearly see if you go through them all, then you've beaten the record. So there we go. It must be going off weight again, surely. No, it's just number of grapes. Well, you can get really, really small grapes, can't you? But you could get you like can do, but you you do well to do so. And technically, raisins are just dried grapes. So you can eat, <laughs> eat those. Well, Jack, I could probably so... get seventy in my mouth if it was that was the case. Great. Hey, well, if you like, then there's a record for ninety-four. If you can fit them in your mouth at once, so we could so <laughs> ninety-four put you raisins. For that now. Ninety-four, 94... Grapes. <laughs> grapes. Why would there be a record for how many raisins you can fit in your mouth? Why are you sounding so surprised when the fact you said grapes when this whole because, thing started with grapes? Because I thought the numbers the numbers now just gone up. Well, you were the one who brought no, raisins into 94 it. grapes fit in your mouth. Right, I see, I see. Or two little boxes of raisins eating <laughs> in one minute. So I sent all sorts of records Jack's, Jack's way. He said he couldn't do five sausage rolls in a minute. He said he couldn't do. How big are the sausage rolls? They great ones. <laughs> not a jumbo. Like... I don't know. We, we didn't get that far. You didn't <laughs> get me to apply. The, these are the details that I need to know. Well, I've got you the detail here because I've got the record that you've applied for. So <laughs> officially, oh, no. Jack, and first of all, there isn't actually a record set for this yet. So consider if, if you can do what they consider a reasonable amount, then this record's yours. Right, oh, what is and, it? And um, it's the longest single Macarena <laughs> to be completed. So oh, no. you just need to do one repetitive Macarena. So even if, well, just do it during a podcast. <laughs> do it downstairs so you're not like, shaking my ceiling. But <laughs> I reckon a couple of hours. A couple of hours? <laughs> TK was going to have a shield on his head for nine hours. You're in there in complaining. Yeah, but he's not moving. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. I don't have a show for nine hours. Ooh. Get fit, get fit. Twenty twenty, the Macarena. I'll join you. <laughs> so it's a dual Macarena. Nine hours. Well, no, long. it's meant to be a single one, but I think it could be like a Bush Tucker trial here, where we put it on for an episode and we live stream it. And last man standing. <laughs> Well, we're doing a podcast unit, and we're talking while talking the macaroni. <laughs> what? This isn't weird at all. We've got Byron moaning about David Louise whilst going, hey, macaroni. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll get the official, I'll have the official confirmation of that tomorrow because I've submitted too many today. So once that's come through, I'll forward it on. It's going to think you're a bot. Yeah. They'd be weird ones to choose if it was a bot doing it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, Alex wouldn't do a half marathon in a wetsuit, which I don't <laughs> understand at all if he has a wetsuit and he runs marathons yeah, anyway. That's so up his street, isn't it? One, one, first of all, my wetsuit is not cheap. And it's like... I don't understand this answer. <laughs> what are you expecting to happen to the wetsuit? He's very accident prone. It'll get damaged running in it. Just alone, they're not designed to be run. They're not designed. If it's, to be if it's an expensive wetsuit that's damaged by running, get your money back. 
<laughs> it's not meant. It's meant to be slick in the water and quick to get off. It's not meant for a bloody half marathon. And also, do you well, know what I said that? to you? You, you know can buy. You can, you can buy a wetsuit for under twenty pounds. Yeah. Why doesn't the I, I my response to that was the pod can as long as the pod's done in it. Then Unbelievable, that's, this guy. Oh, hey, I'm not buying the Macarena single for Jack. Yeah. I'm not buying nuggets for Rory and Keenan supplying his donuts. So <laughs> you've literally got a wetsuit. You literally you don't need to spend a penny. Yeah. Uh, no interest in doing that. Oh, no interest. There we go. And one hour thirty-five is the record in a wetsuit. That that is bloody good going because you get <laughs> they're, they're tight enough. They're restrict that. Like they're restricted enough. Yes, yeah, uh, to red a bloody hell. That you, you must have been absolutely <laughs> by a big one, Alex. Yeah. You don't even have to do it at like a registered like marathon as long as you're running the distance. <laughs> yeah, that is and, a true record. That is I not a true record. If they didn't measure if they didn't accurately measure the half marathon distance. Well, you can use your phone. Do you know what they have to do to? To, for it to actually be classified as a record when it comes to marathon and half man, the steps, the hoops that they have to jump through to get I've a got to be honest, as an I'm more record. interested in you wearing the wetsuit and doing it. I'm just trying to make it easier for you. No, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not mixing. I'm not mixing this with uh, with genuine sport. Well, wear a, wear pajamas and do it. What was the record for pajamas? <laughs> um, I think it was less. Yeah, I would expect it to be. I think it was like one thirty-one or something like that. Oh, that's not even that fast. Well, what are you waiting for then? He fancies it in the pajamas. <laughs> Defo, Defo could do that. I, I like it depends. I said this all afternoon. Is there any strict guidelines on pajama requirements? <laughs> I mean, are we talking nighty or which is effectively like a tight? So you probably have a bit of a wind resistance there. To be fair, that list that you sent. It was a lot to choose from. Well, because I've seen what happens when I give you one option. <laughs> <laughs> you overloaded. You overloaded me. I lost. You lost me. I'm still pretty down, outraged that. I was down for the riot gear. I was down you're for the that, riot. Gear. You're that guy who is specifically told like there's two options, and you somehow make it about eight options. <laughs> <laughs> It's always a plan C. Just don't understand. But anyway, we'll have to wait I'm, and t- go on. T- how are we? How are we having so that the fillet of fish doesn't have a specified size, and yet we've got records of like sausages and sausage rolls I and don't, grapes. I don't. I don't. No size have been specified. There's I'm going to go back to the monitor because it is mental. Insane. But alas. As I said, news of the week was a bit too depressing this week. So <laughs> what I have done is I've brought back, um, I can't believe that was on TV to an extent in the way that it's just something that's on screen so I can still use the title. But the topic here is the sequels that you did or didn't know were being made. So these are in production now. Some you'll think are good films and think, oh, great, a sequel coming. Some you'll think, why on earth is this happening? <laughs> So I've got the plot for some of them. I've got the expected release dates for some of them. Some of them I do literally just have this one's in the works. So 
we'll start off. Uh, the Accountants 2 is being made. The original film brought in 155.1 million globally on a 44 million budget, and Ben Affleck says it is in the works. See, I watched the start, and I watched it till about 25, 30 minutes in, fell asleep, and then never watched the rest of it. I didn't. I didn't think it was that great. I thought it no. was good. No, yeah, I agree. It was kind of. It had. It was one of those films that you sort of expected big things from like in yeah. terms of kind of a bit like a, a how should i put it like a lawless or a um uh, yeah yeah no i'm saying like to that standard like lawless is brilliant but you were expecting it to be in that sort of level of film right and, I see like, what you it mean. and it just wasn't yeah there's yeah. a couple here i haven't seen but i've taken down because i know others have or they can maybe say if it's worth a sequel or not but coming to america too all these years later is I don't know what's made. They've seen all the sequels being made around and thought, why not? So Jesus. the writers for the sequel told ABC that the storyline would follow Eddie Murphy's character as he searches for his American son. It go. could work. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? We live in an age of sequels and redos and remakes. Like You look back to the 90s and there's so many original films. And now it is literally just remakes yeah. or Well, I think next week films. we're going to do um, films that you can't believe a sequel was never made for. So there you go. Hmm. Edge of Tomorrow 2. I never saw this. I thought it didn't look very good. But Alex did give me on good authority that it was a good film. What was the film? Sorry, what was the film? Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend. Pleasantly surprised by it. It was like one of those where you sort of thought it's going to be another sort of Tom Cruise moneymaker. But... Emily Blunt um, in it and hit super brilliant film. Uh, District 10 is in the early stages. Director oh, Neil Blomkamp confirmed on Reddit. I Finally. watched it and I might need to rewatch it because I really didn't see the fuss when I watched it. I've only seen it once. So. I think it's decent. Yeah, it's worth a rewatch, I'd say. If you're not too sold on it first time around, I'd definitely give it another go. Do, do you know what? It's funny you say that because I'm kind of thinking about it now and I'm thinking about when I originally watched it and how good I thought it was back then. And now I'm trying to trying to think about it now and I, I don't reckon it's aged well. I just think it, I'd loved it because you could just say you fucking prawn like all the time. <laughs> and it actually just have some relevance. I just love that saying. <laughs> fucking prawn. Well, you'll see a couple here. So Russell Crowe's been busy. Um, Master and Commander, Russell Crowe claims that everything is ready for it to be made apart from the green light from Disney. So he's asked his fans to pepper them with tweets to get it done. Master, what? I, I thought the, the original Master and Commander was not a Disney film, surely. Well, it was bought, not. They buy everything out, so they Marvel bought, acquired the rights from oh, Alien and Predator today. That's, that means it's not going to be as good then. If it's like Master and Commander, have, have you seen it, the first yeah. one? It's not if Disney owned that, it's not going to be what it needs to be. Did you see Marvel got the rights for Alien and Predator today? See, I didn't see that, no, but I've literally, I never watched any of the Alien or Predator films. And during lockdown, Sarah said it was worth watching all of them. So we sat down and watched them all. And from someone new, like, watching it, I was thinking, yeah, the first ones are good. Especially, yeah, all of them was, yeah, that was bold. <laughs> especially Alien. I was like, first one decent, second one pretty good. And then the third one, you could tell that they just, the Gordy <laughs> Weaver just wanted to make it. Yeah. And it's like the, this B-movie, and, and the whole plot line was, 
right, you've landed on a prison island with only men, you're going to get raped. That was literally... <laughs> and then she nearly did. And it was like, I oh, could see this happening. And that was the premise of the whole film. Well, then you've just said Sigourney Weaver, that's what she wanted. Yes. Yeah. Is that what she wanted the that's... film to be about? Well, she, I actually know, because I looked at the start of the credits and it had none of the same directors or anything like that. It was just her that was a producer. So you uh, could tell that she was part of the producing team because she thought, right, one big more money maker. And I just I switched it off halfway through. And if only that was one last money maker for Alien when we're still yeah, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got the first. The first two are like brilliant. The, the second one's unique in its own way compared with the first one. It's like more of an action movie. But and the third one's rubbish. But the fourth one, it just gets really weird. Just Doesn't gets it? really. I remember feeling that. I remember and watching. Then we got the, prequels after that. I remember watching the fourth one. And just feeling sick towards the end. <laughs> it just got gross. It just, it just like, I'm just like, what am I even watching now? What is this? It's like Alien vs. Predator. So we watched all those afterwards as well. And from what it's been built up in my head, that Alien vs. Predator is this like gargantuan film of these two titans. The first well, one. Well, it looked that when we were younger, bad. but we weren't old enough to watch it at the time. Yeah, I suppose. Which is the probably first, why. That's true. But the first one, you think, that's just quite a good one where. They team up and then they're under the ice and that's all that. The second yeah. one is just, is just this random town in America where you they just have that. this big scrap. Didn't you it's have like, Freddy vs. Jason around the same time as well? Yeah, yeah. I think just a lot of le- left a lot to be desired. I think around that kind of two, early 2000s era is when everyone was cashing in on, well, let's put all the villains against each other. Did you just <laughs> see what happens? Did you watch Predators? The literally the like twin. I think it came out this year. No, I haven't seen that one yet because we were trying I to wouldn't. find it and we didn't know we had Ness in it. It's, so. it's It's got my girl Olivia Munn in it, but that's just about the only high point. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh, but looking down her IMDb, I don't think she turns down many roles. <laughs> <laughs> She's an absolute journeyman. <laughs> well, uh, Den, of, Den of Thieves 2 is in the works. If you've not seen that, great film, great heist movie. The yeah. sequel will feature Big Nick, Gerard Butler on Donny, Donny's trail. So that was um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. And the sequel will take place in the streets of Europe. And the thieves are plotting a crime against the world's biggest diamond exchange, inspired by the Antwerp diamond exchange heist of 2003. Nice. Hopefully they get Michael Biskin back. I like American hmm. films set in Europe as well, because I feel like <laughs> they've got... The complete wrong end of the stick of what Europe's actually like. Yeah, I, I was watching two and a half men earlier and they were talking about um, moving to England and their big takeaway was um, their beer's warm over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's their, that's their <laughs> thing. <laughs> What's the bodyguard? Is it the bodyguard as well when they're having that street race around Amsterdam? And they're just like bumping into cars and sending them straight into the canal and stuff. You think, but <laughs> well, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, why is that your takeaway from Amsterdam? We've got um, one that I don't think anyone asked for. Uh, McLean. The film explores John McLean during his twenties, and the story will flash between a young McLean and his older self. Jesus. Oh God. Have we got a confirmed Bruce Willis for that or no? Yeah. Oh my God. <sighs> Oh, Jesus. It's like, again, I, I watched the Die Hards. First one, great. Second one, decent. Third one, okay. And then 4.0, when he... Uh, I remember watching it when he came out and thinking... This well, I've got the boy that. Justin Long in it. I know, but then he's <laughs> on the back of that 
um, jet fighter, the JSF one that can hover, and he's like sliding around the back of this fighter jet. <laughs> I just thought, why didn't I think worse of this when I watched it the first time? The only <laughs> thing I remember from that is um, Rock and Roll Queen playing in the start of it when his daughter's in the car. I remember having the song stuck in my head for ages. <laughs> Other than that, I can't remember too much. Funny enough, and then from they our... went and did Live Free and Die Hard, which nobody asked for. Yeah. Oh, Christ. But like, funny enough, the hacker from that film, was he was the toss-up between the guy who created Napster from the remake of The Italian Job for my heist team that we did a few weeks ago. <laughs> what else have we... So actually, the, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, I think this one is more commonly known that it's being remade, just because Ryan Reynolds' Instagram gets everywhere, but He's reprising his role. Samuel L. Jackson's reprising his role. They've got uh, Salma Hayek, Richard E. Grant, Antonio Banderas. They're all getting involved. So that one is coming out again. Again, the cast sells it really there, doesn't it? You'd, good. You'd the watch first it one was good. Cast. Yeah. I thought it was decent. Yeah, I was Another, surprised. I, I didn't think I would enjoy it and it was quite good. Yeah. Like, Another I, film nobody asked for, Chicken Run 2, is uh, coming out. That is chicken, ages since the first one as well. Yeah, it's, it's always on at Christmas as well. Always it's got nothing to do with <laughs> Christmas, but it's always on at Christmas. Did you, Did you see the story about Mel Gibson getting chopped from that? No. Yeah. Oh, I won't repeat what he said because he, his anti-Semitism hasn't gone away. <laughs> Funny is it, Alex? <laughs> hey, hey! I, if there's any anti-Semitism here, it's not me. And we, uh, there's only a few communists here. Like, yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> we'll carry on. Um, one, right two. So one of Netflix's first films they released, the massive budget, it cost them a hundred million to make, brought in eleven million viewers, and yeah, sequel is coming with um, Will Smith. It's got the director of Suicide Squad and Fury, so this really could be anything. I didn't understand the hate that it got first time round. I remember it should have been a TV show. Up. They just crammed so much. Yeah, it was a it lot. Would have been so good. It was a lot of kind of fandom squeezed into a small amount of time. They expanded on some of the characters and things like that. But another kind of sequel that you weren't expecting: um, the Passion of the Christ, the Resurrection, is being made. Which Blimey. oh my god. <laughs> Released in 2004, The Passion of the Christ is the highest grossing R-rated film ever to hit the silver screen with 611 million worldwide. And the film focuses on the last 12 hours of Jesus's life and ends with the mention of his resurrection. The sequel is going to pick up around the mention of his resurrection. But they said they're going to focus more on the characters around him than Jesus himself. And Mel Gibson is supposed to be returning to direct, which... (laughs) <laughs> everyone loves a good fiction don't they oh, not sure about Mel Gibson in there <laughs> no leeway for offence calls there surely <laughs> <laughs> um, Murder on the Orient Express 2 Death on the Nile is being made which sounded like a good idea and then I saw the cast um, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer Kenneth Branagh, Russell Brand and Dawn French so I think the budget went on the first one. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna make this a comedy thing. No, just, just everyone's yeah, gonna die. Funny. I don't really know what to say there, but um, another sequel, Gladiator Two. The I mean, reports that the second film will focus on Lucilla's son Lucius, 
and the sequel's moving at a fast pace. Paramount are producing it. Ridley Scott's behind it. Screenwriter Peter Craig, who wrote The Town and Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2. Yeah, go watch that. Great film, The Town. I think the first one was brilliant as well. First time. Do you think think it's like the year 2000? The actual effects are pretty decent. Alex prefers Troy. That's a bold claim. Sorry, which one do I prefer? Uh, do you listen? He doesn't listen, does he? He doesn't bloody <laughs> listen. What was the two? You said you, you said you prefer Troy to a Gladiator. No, I didn't. I've never said <laughs> See, if you listen, you could have denied that first time round. Gladiator, <laughs> Gladiator, is, um, Gladiator is a better film, 100%. At least for that film, Paramount are actually <laughs> behind it. Not like the prior one where you said Russell Crowe said all that's missing is just actually for Disney <laughs> to get behind it. All yeah. that's missing from me getting with <laughs> Ryelski is her being willing to. Other than that, it's basically done. <laughs> See, World War Z 2 is coming out. Brad that, to be on that. That would be good. But I hope it's one of those sequels that carries on from the story it's not one of those where it all ends well in the first one and then it Wait, when you look back, back, it doesn't se- actually end that well in the first one like they say <laughs> they got a short term cure and then Brad Pitt kind of looks at the camera and is like but we're not out of the woods yet and it's like, yeah but it, it kind of camouflages them doesn't it and it means that they can walk amongst yeah. them and kill them don't know where they are but again there's so many sequels where it ends and you think oh the good guys won and the sequel comes along and drops some smack bang where since you last saw us, everything has gone wrong. Again, going back to Alien 2, where she saves the girl, it's all happy days, it ends really well. Even the kind of CPU computer guy, he gets like rescued as well. And in Alien 3, it just happens, they all crash and die, just to, like cut a body open and see if there's an alien in it. And it's like, you've just ruined the whole of the second film just to crowbar a third one in. To get our weekly plug-in, we spoke about Howard and Kumar last week and we said that one of the best things with the sequel of that is that it literally starts seconds after the first one ends which is always great those are the best types of sequels yeah. genuinely um, we spoke about it already we just spoke about it then Alien Awakening the next <laughs> Alien film tentatively oh, no. titled Alien Awakening still in the very early stages and none of the cast of Covenant the last film um, none of the cast that survived sorry have been asked to return Ridley Scott maintains this happening so they'll be directing and the film's currently in the script phase. I still find them, again, I was expecting it to be better than it was. The first two were great. But after watching the later ones, I was like, it's almost like a B movie, but there's just enough money behind it to make it a not a B movie. Prometheus is good. Yeah, I rate that. We'll all still watch regardless. I'm a little yeah. clear on what Jan meant first now. Because I first thought he was literally comparing it to the B movie. And I was thinking, how is he making this <laughs> no, comparison? No, no. Like, B grade, the... I got you. Yeah, as in like, <laughs> like the plot lines and the actual scenes aren't that great. But there's just enough money behind them to have some decent enough special effects in them. I've got a couple left to whiz through, so... Sherlock Holmes 3, now that Robert Downey Jr. is finished with his Iron Man role, he's gone back to his role as a detective. And um, the synopsis of this is saying that it's one last mystery for him to solve, which is never the case. But 
Django Unchained 2. There's an awful lot of script and development, despite Quentin Tarantino claiming he's only got, what, like one film left. I kind of wish he had after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I watched it for the first time to start a lockdown. <laughs> it's and so I good. Was, I was like so disappointed i was gonna say i feel what? like that wasn't about yeah. to tee up that being really good no <laughs> no <laughs> that like, was one of those I, read the room yeah it's a just because of one scene with a flamethrower it's a slow burn it's a slow burner it is a slow oh, burner. You, you can say that again it's, <laughs> yeah it's almost like a non-event and then exactly it, and then at the end, there's an alternate ending to the Eve Pulaski, Polanski murder. And you think, actually, that's a really cool ending. But the but entire no, film leading up to that exactly. was he's pointless. He's also said that he's got a, um, pre- no, a sequel story to Kill Bill coming out, despite Bill being dead. See, I'm that's been talked about for ages. Following yeah. her daughter. Because like, I'm, I'm a big advocate. So for the hateful eight, I think the hateful eight is a great film, although not a lot. Great is a bit far, but I, I did enjoy it. I won't yeah. really watch it, but whereas the kind of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was just pretty <laughs> dire, and if it wasn't for, I know, liked separate... it, but I didn't. I didn't. I wouldn't go out to bat for it quite as much as no. Alex liked that. the Revenant as well, though. So that's how you all you need to. I haven't seen the Revenant. I have <laughs> never seen the Revenant. Inglorious. Uh, we will say anything. Inglorious Bastards as well. That's a, great, that's a great film. <laughs> yeah, that's another Quentin Tarantino. So Django Unchained 2, they say, is going to be based on a comic book series co-written by Tarantino and Matt Wagner. The sequel will find Django a wanted man after burning down Calvin Candy's plantation. However, he's still collecting bounties and he heads out west to avoid winding up in jail, which is when he runs into a Spanish nobleman named Diego de la Vega, who we all better know as Zorro. So it's essentially a Django and Zorro link-up. They then do going not to need to be doing a combo. And Blade <laughs> to free the local indigenous people from some very nasty bad guys. There you go. Watch I'm really bit. not sure on that. I imagine that's going to have a bit more action than uh, the last one he did. Just some ones to run through them with. I don't have any more details than that they're in works. Pirates of the Caribbean 6... I should do have more info on that. That's the one that they're making with a strictly female cast, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my. And, and Margot Robbie <laughs> is leading it. Um, a Hunger Games prequel. 24 Jump Street, again with a female cast. They've replaced Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum with Zendaya no. and Tiffany Haddish. Uh, Baby Sorry. Driver 2. Yeah, Baby that's... Drive is one of the worst films I've ever watched. What? Wow. What? Wow. Wow. I'm wow. putting out there. Wow. Baby Driver was one of the best. What year did that? Was it 2018? 20... 2018. God. It was easily the best, probably the best film that came out that year. Oh my God. It won't go no, that far, but it was a good film. Okay, punching for the top three. Nope. Not having it. Awful film. What's wrong with it? What don't you like about it? It's just, again, it's Fast and Furious, but with a kid well, that likes not, music. It's, it's got a car. That's, that's yeah. it's, for like predictability, that's the problem with it. It was like you could see where it was going from the outset. No, you, you, no, you, you could. Yes, you could. 
it was, was going back outside. It was just your communal garden. Like, a kid that can drive pretty well, but the quirk is he listens to music. And isn't his dad blind or something like that? It was actually 2017, Alex. 2017, God, time flies. If you give me a list, a list of films that came out in 2017, I guarantee you that's going to be far down the lists of the best ones. Hey, I didn't <laughs> say it was the best one. Alex did. He said the best one that came out that year. Yeah, 2017 I... was huge. 2017, Hacksaw Ridge, Get Out, Logan, Full Ragnarok, all better than it. Oh, yeah, that was it. Bloody hell, what's happened in the last few years? Jesus. War for the Planet <laughs> of the Apes, Detroit, Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a bold claim made by Alex there. <laughs> Other films before you get on to the sport. Um, sport Paranormal I... Activity 7. Somehow that's still going. Bloody um, hell. Jesus. I don't know what the Joneses are doing with your internet, Alex. You've been coming in and out a bit, so hopefully you haven't said anything too significant. Tomb Raider 2, Scream 5, Aladdin 2, crikey, Knives Out 2, good film that was, The Purge 5, so there we go, Creed 3 and Searching 2. Searching was a very good film, as I've said before. Don't you find that if you set the purge in the UK, it would just be a bunch of sixteen-year-olds going around egging. There'd be a lot. <laughs> there'll be a lot, a lot less death. I don't know. Those rowdy London streets. Well, yeah, actually, that's true. Right, but if you set it in like the southwest, it's just a rural village. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into, let's let's get into some sport because we do have a Chelsea loss, we have a Spurs loss, we have a Liverpool loss, and a, no, not an Arsenal loss. So we'll um, get stuck in there. All the games since last Monday, some will just give a passing mention to, some will go into more detail on. I'm sure you can probably guess which ones those will be. <laughs> Crystal Palace Burnley isn't one of those. So uh, Burnley moved up to eighth <laughs> in the Premier League. Header from Ben Me. I can't think what game was on at the same time. Oh, the playoff final. There we go. I knew there was a reason I didn't watch it. And it was Amazon Prime, which they advertised horribly. So I don't think anyone knew it was on there. Because so everyone was saying, why isn't there any football on? Yeah. <laughs> um, you then had Brighton, Man United, two goals for Bruno, one for Greenwood. We'll get on to more about them later. They're looking dangerously good, aren't they? That's, yeah. We'll get to like, them because I've got a few takes on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bournemouth won, Newcastle four. Bournemouth again, looking horrendous. Newcastle doing what they've been doing, not playing particularly well, but they Banging can do enough to beat this level of team. Yeah. Similar level of teams to what United have beaten, actually, but we aren't going yeah, to fight for them quite so much. People need to remember the running that United have. They have by far the easiest run out of anyone in the Champions League spaces. Uh, Arsenal 4, Norwich 0. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this one if you want to. <laughs> Aubameyang nicks the ball away from Tim Krul to get the first. Xhaka scores, continue his decent form since the restart. And then Cedric and Aubameyang are also on the score sheet again. So, rare comprehensive win for Arsenal. Other than 20 minutes at the start of the first half where we had a bit less of the ball, it was actually as comfortable as I've been watching a game. So that was nice. On the same night, 
we did have West Ham against Chelsea. <laughs> so is he standard? I, did, I think I said this last podcast. I, I fancy ourselves against the big teams like Man City, the ones that don't sit in and the ones that do this pockets of space because that's what we're good at exploiting. But the low blockers, the ones that just give you no space around the penalty area, those are the ones that we struggle against. Our defence was just shambolic that game and we should have lost 4-2 really. You got helped out by VAR. Yeah, which is one of the rare occasions that has helped us out. But even so, he was in front of the ball and he was in front of the keeper's line of vision. So you could argue that it is offside and that's why they did give it. So I can understand why it was given. However, line of vision for the keeper thing is the most ridiculous thing in football. Surely the keeper got a better view. But if you go and lie in front of the keeper and the ball's behind the behind you it's affecting in that situation in a goal line scramble everyone is in the same situation and not having a clear sight of the ball even if he was stood up there I'd have more sympathy the fact that he's on the deck Hmm. I swear the only thing to happen with Kepa as well he's the only one who seems to get these calls about not seeing it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah if it it was one of those where I could see why it wasn't given but if it wasn't given in our favour if you mean that we scored it I'd be, be absolutely raging. raging. Yeah. So I can sympathise with West Ham fans there, but the only time I will sympathise with West Ham fans. But again, all of the ball, controlled all of the game, just absolutely no penetration. Tammy looked way off the pace. So did a lot of our players, to be fair. And then what Rudiger was doing that game, I have no idea. And Alonso. I thought Alonso Chelsea did... were fortunate in that the goal that Antonio scored, that it wasn't a penalty beforehand. Yeah, I don't see why there wasn't more replays of that because I thought originally it was a penalty. So he yanked him back and the ref said play on and then fortunately Antonio's reacted quicker than the Chelsea defence. Exactly. You've pulled someone over and you've then got like three players in in the penalty box and then Antonio's in the middle of all of them. It's the same with the um, corner kick routine, the one that we conceded from of our disallowed. They were doing this weird thing and Azpilicueta was like, making a song and dance of trying to get in between them all, acting, yeah. like, acting like an idiot. And <laughs> then the next corner, and like the leading up to the corner, Rudiger, is just before half-time. There's hardly any pressure on the ball. Left foot, he tries to put it out for a throw-in, and he puts it out for a corner, which they then <laughs> score from. Like, it's just comical. It was comical watching our defence in that game. Joe and Gomez like, gave away a penalty a day later for the same thing that nothing was given for in the Chelsea game. I think it's David Luiz, he'd have been sent off. <laughs> Every time exactly. he does that, he gets a red card. I know. So, yeah, I was absolutely raging because it basically cancelled out a great win against Man City and it puts us you in knew a different in stoppage time position. when they were running through. You were like, what's happening here? I already knew. Yeah, it was, it was one of those as well that we were playing with two at the back and they still only have one up top. But Antonio was winning all of the first balls. And because our midfield was so pushed so far up the pitch, it was just bouncing to their players. It was like on FIFA when you go like ultra attacking and you just leave so much space for them to attack into. And Wasn't then the last goal. High up on your tier list. Say again. Wasn't Rudiger quite high up on your tier list? He was in keep because I don't know who was out there at the moment. We can get better apart from Kulabai potentially. Lewis Dunk? Potentially, but the, the last goal was just. The only thing that Yarmolenko has is a left foot. We all know this. He has yeah, no right foot. Yes. He cannot use his right foot. 
So what does Rudiger do? He lets him inside onto his left <laughs> foot. In I thought position. he ruined it when he cut inside. I, well, this is the thing. I thought, why are you letting him cut in? You, you know he's notoriously left-footed. He just starts at the bottom corner. It's just ridiculous. I know they're think... professional footballers, but when it's... I know Robin's the go-to. So when Robin is running at you like that, I'm sure the only thing you have in your head is he's going to cut inside. Mm. Obviously, stopping it is easier said than done. When it's someone like Yarmolenko, do you not think they're just thinking about defending the ball rather than he's this footed, he's that footed? Same as essentially anyone bar the star players. No, I, I think how they should. I, think, I mean, they should be taught before the game. But I was about to say, I think at this level of football, you're going to be having coaching on specific players, especially the defenders. Just a half an hour session on. Right, this player's predominantly this, but this is what he likes to do. You just I mean, ex- you'd expect too many attacking it. Attacking threats either. <laughs> this is, and we can see the three goals against them and it's just this, that is the story of our season there should be some basic instincts going in there because even if you play at, you know a five aside you can quickly ascertain which foot someone is exactly. and how reliant they are on it etc so exactly. having played against Yarmolenko for you know even during that game I would have thought a, you know a good level of defender you should be at Chelsea then you should be yeah. able to read that did you think Declan Rice was that good? No, I don't get this either. We're oh, he's quite good. And like I everyone's... thought Chelsea made it quite easy. In I mean, he had a good game. I'm not saying that he played poorly or anything, but there wasn't no, no, that's... creative with what Chelsea were doing to make no, it no, I mean, for it's kind of kind of my thoughts on Rice in general is that I thought it was it was good, just wasn't quite what maybe some other people were suggesting it was. Yeah, he's a and then not, but then to to contrast, not I don't think he's. I rate him more highly than people who really, really don't rate him. I, I just I, thought he's somewhere in between. I think he's quite good. Yeah, I think he's like one of the run-of-the-mill players that looks good in the West Ham team where they're playing predominantly defensive football. But you put him into a team where you have most of the ball, and I think that's where he'd get shown up maybe, potentially. Mm. But it'd be interesting to see what he does in an England shirt a bit more, a bit more regularly, because you've got Jordan Henson that plays that role. Um, and then... Well, we need those attacking players or people that are good with the ball at their feet. And they get shown up when they have more of the ball. It's like Matic, for example. Looks great under Conte. Get to him. <laughs> Looked great under Conte was this like star reborn. But then you put him into a team where they have more of possession and he just looks off. Does it look so it just doesn't fit in? I'm quite bad with Declan Rice in that I do change my opinion on him on like a game-by-game basis. <laughs> just sometimes you do have a good game and then you do say to yourself okay I do see it now and then there are other games where probably West Ham to a T they are absolutely hopeless and you think what on earth is all this about yeah this is what I find annoying about West Ham is that <sighs> I think it's something like 20% of their total points tally this season has come against Chelsea which I, just <laughs> find, which I find outrageous we got a great game to get on to next. Um, Alex was nice enough to tell me the score, actually, uh, mid-game. Sheffield United 3, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Huh. VAR took centre stage again. This time, I don't think there was many arguments for ruling out the handball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, like I could I could rant about the VAR decisions, but Go on. there really is no point. I mean, the there you could make an argument for at least definitely two of the two of the scenarios, but 
in all honesty, like Sheffield were the better side. Well, it was it, handball. It were no, it wasn't. Um, the he dived with it, his arms out in front from of one, From one angle, from one angle, it looked like handball. From the rest, it wasn't. I mean, the week before against West Ham, all angles showed that it touched his arm, and we played on. No, no, and and then also the um, Kane's goal being disallowed for that whatever that supposed push in the back, which was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. There was literally no contact, no momentum from him whatsoever into that guy's back. But anyway, it like ultimately what it turned out to be was Sheffield were decisive when they needed to be decisive and we were just poor. Uh, defensively, there was a lot of ball watching going on. Just a lot of, to be honest, for Tottenham, there was a lot of just base, what you'd expect to be basic basic Premier League football in standard or like lower than that. I mean, Aurier, how hard, how hard can it be to cross the ball? Like how hard? Like Attacking is supposed to be his forte as well. He, he struggles <laughs> to get the ball off the floor. Like literally any time the ball went out to him along the wing, aside from taking it up the pitch a little bit, just basic passing. One-on-one was terrible. Basic passing was terrible. Crossing the ball he couldn't do. It's just like any time the ball goes out to him, it's de- like you just no- 100%, nothing, nothing comes of it. There was a lot of bad one-on-one decision-making. Um, like there was the odd moment. I mean, Lacelso showed the odd moment of, um, of you know, a, a ability. He, but in 70 all honesty, million, by the way, 70 million. In, on in all, in all honesty, <laughs> defence, the defence of um, the defence was just terrible. I mean, he, he decided to go again with all Ray. Sanchez and Dyer at the back. Um, and that combination for me, I mean, tonight he's starting Alderweireld uh, alongside Dyer. But in all honesty, I just, what, why not play Vertonghen and Alderweireld? You know, you've got two proven guys there. But I, ju- I, just, I, I just don't understand. They, they would do a better job out of the gate than Dyer and Sanchez. They're, both on, the, they're both on the slide, but they're still better than Dyer. Hundreds, they know where, just the, their positioning alone. I mean, and against most about, teams, you'll get by with them. Yeah, exactly. Like some of the better teams you might struggle with nowadays, but some, most of the teams you'll, you'll get Quite by. I thought the whole back four right was back. horrendous um, during the game. Some of those, couple of those goals. I remember the one um, where Ben Davis has just stood on his heels, just yeah. watching someone go past him. And, and yeah. you know, but like you said, it was ball watching a couple of times. It was just the only thing that would have made still watching. The only thing that would have made that match experience better was a half-time show from Roy Keane telling who he was going to punch in the face in the team. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he could just get him on every game. Yeah. Can we talk about the Lo Celso fee, Alex? £60 million I've just checked. Yeah. Disgrace. Why? Well, Pepe gets stick. Just by... Pepe doesn't get that much stick. I don't He's got a lot of stick. I think there's a, I think there's a player there. I mean, I've got a good... Just for a stat here... How could you think there's not a player in Pepe? Pepe has now had more kids this season than Lo Celso has goal contributions. (laughs) 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 I'll give you that. That's a good good stat. (laughs) Did you you see Jose fuming with Arsenal after the game? Yeah, what was that off though? Because I saw his the so, headline of him being fuming, but I didn't see what the actual cause of it was. 
so Arsenal tweeted the Arsenal Twitter, which being angry at a Twitter account is just Jose in itself. <laughs> the Arsenal Twitter account of full time posted that a picture of Sabio celebrating and saying uh, winning away at Sheffield isn't for everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. So then Jose's seen that and has an absolute meltdown afterwards. <laughs> saying I I don't know if he knows how hypocritical he is or if he does it almost laughing to himself, saying I think if they were top of the league or fighting for top four in a good moment, they wouldn't enjoy the problems of others. They're in a very similar situation to us in the table. In the end, it says much more about them. They don't have much to celebrate. You only enjoy the problems of others when you're also in trouble. I don't like to connect the club with some post or tweet. I don't believe that was Arteta that posted. I don't believe it was Xhaka or another captain. To be the champion of North London means nothing for me because I think you have to be much bigger than that and have much more ambitions than that. Yes, I would like to finish in a better position on the table than them. But again, I want my team to be bigger than that. I want my team to feel bigger than that. When when did Jose Mourinho go from being this titan of football to a teenage kid? <laughs> when no, when the, did that happen? The points he's illustrated there are absolutely right. But as, as Luke's pointed out, it does seem somewhat hypocritical of him. <laughs> he would absolutely love to finish ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's nice. I mean, it's nice to see a manager getting passionate and getting, you know, get taking the bites on it, stuff like that. You said, but <laughs> just maybe not on a tweet. <laughs> yeah, come on. About I would. I would. Waistline or I would. I would even. Um, I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't even expected that tweet to even be on his radar. I would have expected no. him to sort of be above that. That's the thing. He sees but... everything. I. He, <laughs> he really does. I. I do think I. I don't know if I'm alone on this, that generally clubs tweeting in general, I just don't think should do stuff like that. Cause it's normally painfully cringe. Uh, <laughs> it's almost always to do something What shit. was it? West Ham did one think... before they played Chelsea or no city, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I can't think what it was. And they even tried deleting it. And then it was like, well, at least stick with it. If you're going to tweet it. Out. Yeah. Cause it's out there now, isn't it? Yeah. I just think it's, a, you get yourselves into trouble. I think they should just stick to factual stuff and leave it to the, the other Twitter accounts. Was, you it was a object. German team, wasn't it? And then everyone jumps on board. Yeah. Cause like Leverkusen, I've, yeah. they obviously have the funny admin, but not everyone does clearly. So. The you worst got, one. Who was it? The one when Atletico were that tweet came out that Atletico because they beat Liverpool in the Champions League were trying to say oh, yeah. that. They, was it? Was it? It was. It was one of the Prem teams were trying Watford. to say Watford. That was it. Yeah, Watford, they, they said they do the same for the Prem, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't mind. Actually, what? that was quite amusing. Actually, so maybe I take it back. Harper and TK, what's your predictions for the North London derby at the weekend? I'm going for an Arsenal win just because it seems like you've actually been there to find the net. It's at Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter really because since they've opened that stadium, it hasn't become quite the fortress they wanted it to be. They're probably better off staying at Wembley. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm going Arsenal. Uh, I think I'm just going to say draw. Usually Uh, a banger of a game regardless. Yeah, yeah, it should, it yeah. should be. Both teams are always up for it. It'll be nice to actually get one of those games where there is a lot of. Since we've since plays resumed in the Premier League, it'd be nice to sort of. Is it? I think it's fair to say it's the first sort of heated match that we're probably going to like really heated match we're going to probably get. UFC two fifty one and that in the same weekend. Sheesh. Is it? It's the Sunday kick. It's a Sunday kickoff, isn't it? Yeah, Sunday four thirty. BT Sport. Oh, 
but it'll be Sky. Sky, Sky isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I like the lunchtime kickoff for a um, North London I derby. It, I don't think it is Sky. If it's Come on right. Sunday, if it's on yeah. Sunday, it'll be Sky. No, not on Sky. Really? It's not. On, no, only Bournemouth Leicester's on Sky. Jesus, they've had a shocker there. Yeah, they, no, have they it, done that? It's on Sky Sports main event. I say it's going to be Super Sunday, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Sky Sap is not showing. I'll put money on it being there. Four thirty. It's on Sky Sports main event. I've just checked. Yeah. Thank God for that. A nice little TV guide segment for the listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flash scores was actually my go-to. <laughs> but we'll carry on anyway. So uh, this is actually three great games back to back here: Chelsea, Spurs, and then we got City four, Liverpool nil. Um, <laughs> the headline I saw on ESPN was Manchester City generously applauded new champions Liverpool onto the field before their Premier League match and promptly showed no mercy by thrashing them four <laughs> yeah. nil. What did you right. think? Of, what did you think of Klopp's interview? I, I didn't think too much on it to be honest. I, people kind of made a bit of it. I just thought. If you just got dicked 4 0, you'd probably be pissed off, and then Jess Reeves in your face would probably. <laughs> that, I, I kind of thought that was what it was. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he, he is a bad loser, isn't he? Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, probably why he is loser. what he is now. It was amazing when people said it. The problem was he became a good loser, but when Wenger, Wenger used to be a terrible loser, yeah. and Arsenal used to be winning them. So, you know, the two do go hand in hand. Um. I didn't think there was much wrong with Liverpool's attitude. It was just the City can do that to anyone and yeah, uh, a team that's already won the league. And the, and the thing could have switched quite easily. So you think, I thought we started quite well. We got in behind a couple of times early on. They were playing a high line. I thought they could play into our hands here. Salah had that one hit the post. If you get one or two of those go in early, we could end up doing the same to them. I thought defensively, we kind of capitulated in a way that you used to see in City do this year. So... Uh, that's not a great sign from us, but that's the first time we've really done it. Watford probably included in that as well. But I thought we were all over the shop defensively. I can't really give an explanation as to why. No. Uh, like you said, though, it is Man City. To be in his job, you do probably have to kind of have no regard for what's going back your way with Jeff Shreves. But I do, I do actually think he's a horrible interviewer in that. He 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 does, and Klopp picked him up on it, saying, "You're trying to leave the story this way, which is not what I'm saying." And he is yeah. terrible for doing that. And he he's got no real subtlety about it either, does he? Like Just a good out. interviewer is able to do that, but he is so blatant with it. If if um, I ever ask a question that I don't think is going to go well in the interview, I say it in in a kind of way, you know, where you kind of like fade your voice out at the end of the question as if like yeah. jump in and save me asking this yeah he doesn't and then there was a, there was a word he used um and i didn't know if klopp really didn't understand the english or if he was saying like i don't understand what you're saying but his way of explaining it was just repeating the same word again which klopp yeah. didn't understand <laughs> it was um perspective was what he said he said, just put some perspective on this considering you've won the league. I don't understand your English here. He was like, yeah, perspective. Yeah. Like, just repeating it back to him, like, asking him to yeah. it in his head. <laughs> yeah. Roy, did you see Roy Keane's reaction to his interview? He loved it, didn't he? Yeah. He properly loved it. I, I, I can see the point Keane was making as well. And uh, 
I think that probably is applicable to the, the fact that he will be raging about that despite the, despite the fact we've won the league. Yeah, I think potentially is a, is a good wake up call for the for the team as well because if we'd gone out and given them a hiding, for example, I do think that probably does lend itself to thinking over the summer, relax next summer, next season we'll just go again. I yeah, say I that think that's nearly a break, year. is it? But yeah, yeah, City are going to be bang up for it as well. So, uh, do you th- I think there's a couple of people in that squad that Pep before keeps Aguero in and he's trying to keep Aguero and Jesus happy when I do think he prefers Jesus now you see in most of his selections I think next year he's going to have no real sentiment after what's happened this year because if you think Klopp looks aggressive in some of his replies Pep looks constantly like passive aggressive to like another level when you ask him any kind of question he's in a different way to Klopp as well where yeah. al- almost every interview even one where he's being nice he's a bit condescending to the interviewer yeah. it's the smirk um, yeah I've, yeah very much like a uh, I know a lot better than you which he does he does know a lot better yeah. than that. but um, certainly knows how good he is and, and gives that in his answer Klopp normally just gets a bit mad and it's quite obvious <laughs> should we rattle through I did, I did see a, some funny reactions on Twitter to um I think I can't remember who it was. I saw someone win there, but also a few of it saying, uh, "Yeah, Liverpool fans are just going to say uh, oh, it doesn't matter. We've won the league." I was like, well, that is quite a significant thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You won the league, but you lost four 0 I was like, well, "I've lost four 0 and not won the league, and I've lost four 0 and won the league now." And I can tell you which one's better. <laughs> so, I do think that is an important perspective. By Brad, that I'm a Liverpool fan when I'm just pointing out the same things that mainly United fans are criticising Liverpool fans for are the same things they've done would still do 10 times worse they yeah, did the same it, after beating Bournemouth 5-2 in the next game we're going to talk about well yeah yeah, there were celebrations in the dressing room a lot wasn't there so I, I, yeah I do think people don't seem to like the, uh, the taste of their own medicine it seems so, United did they came from behind um, to get three points against Bournemouth you had Greenwood scored two Rashford Martial both scored as well Good performance by them, absolutely. Do you think context doesn't need to be applied or should we just kind of admire the way they're playing at the moment? I think there has to be a context here because they're in a run of games where they're playing teams that are all but relegated and they're not being relegated because they're losing the odd game here and there and really doggedly fighting for it. Like... Bournemouth this season have just laid down and died against most teams, apart from Chelsea, ironically. <laughs> after after beating us at home and then drawing away to them, making us really work for that. And then Norwich as well. They've played them and absolutely battered those that team. And again, they're all but down. So what happened so, to Sheffield as well? Yeah, exactly. And it's like Sheffield, although they've come back and bounced back with a bit of a win against Spurs, they've pretty much looked like a newly promoted team yeah, up until so. that game. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like there has to be context added to it because if you're playing teams that will just lie down and dive in front of you, you're going to play good football. If they had a run of games where there was teams, like like you said, a Burnley or teams that would get into them, like even Spurs gave them a good game and they're having a pretty yeah. bad run of it as it is. So... Yeah, I think there has to be some serious context. They're just lucky that all of their easy games are coming towards the end of the season where everyone around them has pretty difficult games. We'll, we'll get on to Greenwood specifically in a little bit, but 
the main stat that's being thrust everywhere is that their front three has now scored more goals than Mane, Salah and Firmino. I, I don't really see why this is a thing because one has fired their way to the league title and one of them has fired their way to competing for top four. I don't know what it's supposed to prove. No, it is, it is odd, isn't it? And, and, but then, in, in the same way, it's a, a completely unintended, very backhanded compliment because pres- presumably they're the gold standard that you're measuring against. Mm. Um, it's not I, just league games either, is it? Because they're measuring like Europa League ties as well. So you've played more games to get to that total as well. It does seem odd. To be honest, it's, it's for all we say about the context and stuff, I do think they look very good, uh, certainly going forward. I think they look good to go. I think they look fine. Um, mm. We don't know over the course of a whole season whether Martial and Rashford are going to maintain that. If they can, they'll be there or thereabouts because attacking-wise, they've got all the options you would need there. That would be the question and obviously tightening up some of the defensive mistakes. But that's the, the comparisons between them and our front three are the classic thing of what most people would have probably accused Liverpool fans a few, a few years back, where you say you're not winning everything, and yet you're still comparing yourself to teams that are winning things. And roles have I been think, switched somewhat. I think the strength of what Liverpool have had this season is goals from other areas. Like so many seasons prior to that, you've been relying on one player, and if you keep that one player quiet, be it Suarez, yeah, or, or Torres or whatever, and then yeah, inevitably then that's never enough. Exactly, but this time now that team has got goals everywhere. You've got Van Dijk and, scoring goals, and can got shut your, up shots yeah. rather than you know having to outscore the opponents, which is where we were at a couple of years ago. Exactly, and I think it was one of those where Klopp, when Klopp first came over, he was still doing his heavy metal football, his gigging press, and in the Premier League, your legs just fall off with 20 minutes to go if you do that all game. There's certainly been adjustment, hasn't there? Yeah, whereas now they kind of do that for the first 20 minutes try and get an early goal and if they don't they will just sit back hold re-energise and then wait for the other team to tie it yeah so they've definitely adjusted so their whole game style has changed now I don't think it is just scoring and that is it it is about the defensive side of it which they aren't necessarily used to have been doing in the past few seasons so it's going to bring less goals it's like you look at City although they've still scored loads of goals this season They've conceded an awful lot as well because yeah. when it's not gone right for them, and if they put that down to injuries, if you will, and playing Fernandinho at centre back, they just don't seem that keen on defending this season. <laughs> um, it's all about trying to attack because usually that's what saw them through. But I think they've lost that fear factor that when you play them, you knew you're pretty much going to lose. It was it was just by how many. Whereas now mm. they know if you can kind of keep them out for the first, say the first half that you're going to get a chance here or there because they just switch off at the back now. I sent you a tweet on Saturday, TK, with United fans. <laughs> I think Martial might have passed a Bamiang, you know. Oxford have just beaten Portsmouth, if that's any interest to you. But from one great attack to another, Arsenal defeated Wolves 2-0 on Saturday, on Saturday night. Seamless not a great watch transition. for the neutrals at all. Not a great watch for Arsenal fans or Wolves fans at all. But the first win Arsenal have had since 2017, I believe, against in an away game against a team higher in the table than them, which says something. Mm. 
actually looks resolute for a change. I think Wolves had two. There was one in the first minute with Traore, which could have gone horribly wrong. And then he had one where he chipped it wide of the post. But other than that, they didn't really threaten. I think you could be kind of coming towards that end of season burnout for them, seeing as they played that amount of games, especially with the Europa League and with a squad that can't... They had a week to prep for that game. No, I know. I'm just saying they've had a lot of good games recently. I, I think there's a tendency to think that, but then when you consider the break we've just had, I can't. I can't use that. I, I think they do have these nine games. Days. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at Wolves, they do have a game like this every so often. I've seen yeah. it with them before, where you think, considering some of the options they've got with him and and Troy and stuff, they can just have games where they look blunt. They don't mm-hmm. look like threatening at all, and uh, and they For certainly look reason. like it. Because no disrespect to Arsenal, but <laughs> who who as you said were more resolute than usual, but they're hardly a team who you think are gonna shut up and keep you out. Ultimately, if you, if you're on it even slightly, you'll have chances. For yeah, some reason, really frightening. they played Traore through the middle. They had Jota on the bench, which clearly made no sense. So Arsenal, I said during the game, looked like they were trying to show they weren't scared of Traore while looking absolutely shit scared of him. <laughs> but it worked because they showed it on match of day far more eloquently with triangles and things, but <laughs> they worked as a team. The movement was there in that they were closing down Traore in particular while not leaving anyone else exposed. I thought Arteta was criticised for his in-game management against City and against Brighton, yet it was perfect in the Wolves game. Bringing on Maitland-Niles, a left-back, I think Tierney was just a bit knackered, to be honest. And he he was didn't put a foot wrong. Joe Willock came on and just added some legs into the end of the game where Wolves were chasing. And Lacazette even came on and did everything that he does right and you just wish there was more of so it was as good as it could have been from an Arsenal perspective I like that Arteta is holding players accountable Gwen Doozy's obviously done something but he has shown that if he, he doesn't hold a grudge in that Sabas was out of the team when he came in he forced his way back in he had the same with other players Pepe for example so it is there it was just nice to go into a game and see that Arsenal had some kind of plan rather than, look, let's go toe-to-toe here and hope we come out on top. See what happens, mm. yeah. I think that's always the danger, isn't it, of putting your danger man, your man in form, although he is a wide player, put him through the middle because you think he's going to take advantage of space in behind or come to feet and run in behind afters for the second ball because it doesn't always work. So like you look at Eden Hazard, whenever you played him in the middle when you used to play for Chelsea... It just made him easier to mark. Whereas if you keep Troy on the way, that was perhaps the, the most like obvious case of don't do this. It's not working. Ever. Exactly. And yet it still repeatedly kept happening. Exactly. <laughs> just, just play him out wide where yeah. he's supposed to be. He had one bad game, and people were criticising Troy. So his, his issue is him. so much of his success has been coming off the bench, isn't it? Yeah. So now when you've had a start and you don't perform, people do get on that as well. He was sort of juiced up a Wobie on Twitter, so there you go. <laughs> no, no need for that. I think that especially if you're coming on against like 60-minute fatigue legs and you've got his pace and power, you are going to be an absolute menace to deal with. Yeah, he is better than that, though. He's better than a come-off-the-bench player. Yeah, he, just didn't have a, he just didn't have a good game. No, no exactly. No. It happens. 
Potentially over tinkering from Nuno there as well, I think. I think potentially yeah. trying to get too smart for yourself. Arsenal in the last what even week or so conceded one goal and um, two clean sheets. And when you look at how Sheffield were against Spurs, and I'm not even making a Spurs joke there, as many as there are, and the Wolves game, it does show that a system can hide a lot of issues with the players involved. Because a back three of David Luiz, Kalasinac and um, Mustafi and Mustafi did look fairly comfortable (laughs) because everyone seemed like they knew what they were doing. So yeah, Hmm. That makes a nice change because, again, under Unai Emery, we had Lucas Torreira playing in the 10. So there you go. Did see someone we, ask when he's being tried for war crimes? Oh, yeah, I saw the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Would you Chelsea, say Leno was the problem all along? Oh, well, <laughs> I saw someone suggesting selling him in the summer, which Jesus. I disagree with because there's far bigger priorities. But yeah. I do think you can get his level of keeper if you reinvested properly. Say it was sell Leno to get a defensive midfielder or whatever, then I do think you can replace him, but he is also one of our best players, so it maybe shows the depth of our squad. I don't think you'd get as much money as you'd want for him either. I don't think anyone's going to no. splash that sort of cash on him. So mm. Arsenal fans it. just have this weird thing where, I mean, it seems the opposite. Chelsea want to get rid of everyone in the squad and Arsenal fans seem to want to cling on to the players that prove they're not very good. I'm not saying that about <laughs> Leno. But you get players like Lacazette who can do so much wrong and they still, people want to keep him. People yeah. were saying they don't want Iwobi to go for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, Chelsea put the sword to Watford. Watford looked pretty uninspired other than a couple of chances. Welbeck actually looked their best player when he came on and even that wasn't enough. Yeah, I was expecting it to be another West Ham story, if I'm honest. Kind of like sit back and just try and hit us on the break. But we had so much space and we worked the space a lot better then as well. I think Giroud it makes, wasn't having it. As, yeah, I was about to say, I think it makes a difference having Giroud someone that brings others into play. Like Tammy, as much as I wanted him to succeed, he's still got so much to learn. He's a big, tall, lanky player that never wins any aerial balls. But when you put something up to Giroud, even when he doesn't win it, he'll create something like a nudge that will mean it will get the second ball. Um, and then we just pretty much controlled it from there, really. Um, I think if you could have spent in the summer, then you probably would have got a striker then and he would have been back at Villa for another year. Potentially, yeah. I still think he's better than Bachelorette. And he has got some oh, important... Yeah, you don't need to go <laughs> Yeah, and he's got scored some decent, important goals for this season. But... I think if you're going to be putting Werner and Tammy Abraham up against each other, I think only one's going to be starting next yeah. season, which is sad because we've loved having all the academy products in the team. But if we're all getting wound up that we're not putting away the chances we should be, and he, like the the goal, if you go back to the Man City game, he should be burying that chance before it is even a penalty. <laughs> and there's been plenty of those this season, so I think yeah. But going back to the kind of the Watford game, it was that comprehensive win that we've just been waiting for since the restart because even the Villa one albeit we had all of the ball we still didn't look like a comprehensive win we just pretty much nicked it with a deflected goal from Giroud again did you watch Lampard's interview after where he said uh, I mean I probably would have liked to be a bit better in attack but I'm probably being greedy there and it's like you are probably Frank you want just (laughs) 3-0 yeah (laughs) yeah I think 
I think it's good that you have a manager who does want to sit on his laurels, but at the same time, I think our main problems lie in defence. Like that's you yeah, can I think you of, say that for a lot of teams in the league. Exactly. <laughs> you can you can add so many jewels to the crown up top, but if you're not going to swat that defence, the kind of shining light from this is that Pulisic is looking decent. He does look um, very good. So he's he's got that turn of pace that we've been missing, that kind of trickery that just the ability for someone to beat a man instead of sideways pass all the time. Yeah. When you when you when you've got that in your locker, you're gonna scare defenders because you don't know what's gonna happen. You can beat a man, win a penalty, win a foul, or you can also pass it. Whereas we've got so many players in that team that just like to pass, move on and just hope someone else creates something. Hey, the Which Athletic is... didn't stop. They uh, put a story out today saying that Pulisic is important to Chelsea now as Eden Hazard was before he left. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If I mean, go through... sorry. I'm just going to say, you're just going to get those comparisons, aren't you? Yeah. Got a long yeah. way to go, yeah. <laughs> a couple more games and then we've just got a few more things just to make sure we get everything in before we call it a night. Um, Newcastle, West Ham was probably as much of a Newcastle and West Ham game as you really could have asked for. <laughs> West Ham going ahead twice, Newcastle pulling it back twice, but never pushing on in a game that they really should have won. West Ham missed the chance to put a bit of daylight between them and the relegation zone, and Newcastle missed the chance to really kind of dig themselves into the top 10. But Sir Maximan did uh, look great again, and he's got a few eyes on him. Liverpool Villa. First half was more of the same, I think, from the City game. It, it was one of the, it very much felt like a team that had won the league against a team that looked condemned to relegation. It's a pretty but, hideous watch, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Mane ground out for himself. Curtis Jones found the net. Didn't look too, didn't sound too chuffed in his interview after. <laughs> it was Brent like that one. He was like, people talk about the goal against Shrewsbury or the goal against Everton or the penalty against Arsenal. But, you know, I'm just, I don't really like focusing on that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that? <laughs> yeah. That is very Brent. I saw he said it in a way like, no, I'm not getting too ahead <laughs> of myself. I, I focus on we got a very good team here. I want to try and force my way into it. That kind of thing. Yeah. He's yeah, like yeah. the thickest person ever. In yeah. He's, I've never like, seen an interview with him before. I thought this, he does not come across great here. I don't want to say he's stupid, but he comes across as. <laughs> yeah. He just comes across it. Is, you know, like you imagine there's reporters on the sideline looking for players to interview. He's going to be like last on the list. <laughs> we then had, um, Southampton City, so I don't think anyone really saw that result coming, but Shea Adams pops up with his first goal from range. I, I think Edison's as much to blame as Zinchenko is, and he kind of seems to be absolved by most of the pundits, but yeah, what a way to get your first goal, and then proper <laughs> putting your bodies on the line stuff for the following 80 minutes, or whatever it was. McCarthy had a great game as well, considering he made a few errors and which game was it where he passed it straight to but that was it, yeah. So he kind of made up for that. But that yeah, goal great win. was a brilliant goal. You just didn't expect it at all. With that as well, you felt, I know they're obviously a significantly better team anyway, but you felt like Southampton would, ha- would always give themselves a chance of digging in and getting a result once they got that goal. Whereas, for yeah. example, Bournemouth, it didn't matter that it scored that goal against United. I would never been more confident <laughs> a team would yeah. capitulate. You just knew I it. I saw it 1 0 and still didn't stick it on because I was pretty no. sure I knew what yeah. it was. Going. Yeah, you knew they would soon remember what they were. <laughs> yeah. 
last question before we get on to kind of the youngsters. Um, we saw a lot of speaking from United fans, and I'll probably go to you last here, TK, because I feel like I know the answer you will say and the one you should say. Jack, who do you think has the best attack in the league? I mean, what, as in starting lineup, or can you, if they can rotate? So, yeah, we'll say going forward, the team you put on the pitch, which one can put the best attack on the pitch? I'd probably say Man City, because it hasn't been their goals this year that's let them down. It's been their defence and they're switching off. I think when you've got the creativity in that midfield of De Bruyne, David Silva, Rodri, and then you've got a plethora of kind of talent to go with with Bernardo Silva, Mares, yeah. Sane, Sterling, Jesus. I think that, if you put that on a blueprint of what you'd want for a quick attack yeah. in Premier League midfield, I think um, strike force probably have to be Cities. I, I do I, actually agree with you. I think it's the big difference between you asking what the best attack in the league is and what the best front three in the league is. Hmm. I so, think, no, I'd, uh, I'd agree as well. And I'd say... It, like I'm not saying this to take anything away from Liverpool whatsoever, obviously. Um, but it's, again, like having the front three that they have versus what City have, having that, like a clear, a clear, raw, out-and-out striker, I think is can be a bit of a difference sometimes. I mean, when you've got Mane, Salah, um, and uh, like they're not, they're all, like they're all almost all adapted wingers to a certain extent. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think Liverpool's yeah, defence won the league for them more than their attack. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. TK, who would you have said was the best attack? Uh, I, I don't disagree with what you said about City. Um, and if we were doing this on a computer game, you'd be 100% right. I yeah. think Liverpool's front three functions the best. And I've said numerous times, as, as individual components, I think you can probably pick out other squads that are actually better off as well. And that's maybe where the United fans will come in with, with their shouts about their players, if they can carry on the form they're in. Uh, but in terms of how it functions, I, I do think the Liverpool front three is the best. I think you can get three names from City who are better. I think Mares playing a different team could be the best player in the league, uh, attacking-wise. I think I've said before about Sane, um, and they're guys who don't tend to get a look in compared to, say, Bernardo Silva, Sterling, Aguero. Um, so I think you could, at any point, I think they've obviously got the most depth and I think you could get three attackers on the pitch who are the best three attackers. But I do think the Liverpool one just works better. It's just whether it be coaching or whatever, I just think it works. I still I think, think you can do better than Firmino. By the way, I don't think he's had the best year either. And there doesn't seem to be too much uh, in between with him where it seems to be Liverpool fans are going out to bat for him to the point where I saw someone describe him as a defensive striker. Yeah, my brother. So that was a, a little bit uh, over the top. Like, yeah, like for example, Frawley does lead the press example. That he does need to. He does also have to score goals. They said um, he had a clean sheet bonus. Yeah, outrageous. <laughs> um, See, I've heard you, you've got one person saying that, and then on the other hand. Um, People who slate him are and just go and buy his goals do overlook the other stuff he does do. So there, there is somewhere in between to be had with that. See, I've heard a, a Twitter stat, and I don't know if it's one of those ones that is built for nibbles. I don't know if that's one that's true. So but it, seem, it seems like it could be true, which Didier Drogba has more goals at Anfield than uh, Roberto Firmino, and obviously he left in 2015. So I think that has a tendency that it could be true. I don't think he scored at home this season, so it's, yeah. it's entirely possible. 
Yeah, because yeah. it, it seems like one of those ones when you think, hang on a minute, that does sound about right. I think with Firmino, that there was a graphic done on it today that I saw on Twitter as well, that his intelligent run play opens so much space for Mane and Salah. It is that false nine position that he plays. He kind of can take players out of the game to create the space and there aren't players. there aren't many that play the false nine well. To answer your thing, because I think I think we yeah. well, we had the discussion before. It's just that it's not. You, you are absolutely right. We can get a better player than him. For example, if there's no doubt in my mind, Aubameyang is a better goal scorer than Firmino. For example, he's a better striker. But in, in terms of would it work as well? He is just the perfect false nine, and there aren't many of those about. It's he like, should have had a better year this year. I do think he should. It's like the re- like when you're in for Werner and you think that is guaranteed goals, but are those goals that he then takes away from Mane and Salah? And you'd probably say they are. And do we end up in a position, as you said, where we're, we wouldn't be reliant on one guy, it could be a different scenario, but more pushing towards a star than just being the, sort of the team as, as we are now. Exactly. Do you not think Giroud could do it? Sorry? Do you not think Giroud could do it? No. It's not fast no, enough. In terms of the movement and the mobility, I, d- I just don't think you can. That's we, why, no. that's why well, Tammy gets said, started ahead of him more, because of his mobility, because of the high press that Chelsea want to play. But when we play against teams, we know we're going to sit in deep against us. That's when Giroud plays, because he's better with ball at foot. So you got to think, di- you did ask me last week if I'd swap Origi and Giroud, and I said <laughs> no, because stylistically Origi's a better match, even if Giroud's a better <laughs> player. So you probably mm-hmm. answered your own question with that one last week. Should we go on to the England squad? So I've got a number of youngsters who are yet to be capped for England and you can tell me if they stand any chance of being in the Euro 2020 or 2021 squad, whatever they call it because I think they are still keeping it as Euro 2020, as strange as that is Um, (laughs) Dean Henderson I reckon he has to be within a shot, I mean Pickford has shown... He'll be in the squad, won't he? He'll be in the squad 100% He might even be number one by then because like... I know that Southgate's kind of nailed his clothes to the mast with Pickford a little bit. But he does have a mistake in him. And so does Dean Henderson, obviously. Yeah, so every English keeper does. Yeah. We should have got our Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of who makes less. Do you know what I mean? And I think... His is going to rely so much on where he is next season, isn't it, Henderson? Yeah. If he ends yeah. up being number one for United and playing, then he's going to have to be. The thing, the thing is, wouldn't you rather a keeper hit a lower league, lower team in the league, because you know that they're going to get more shot practice, they're going to face more shots on goal. It's, it's that kind of thing. Whereas, but then we bigger, could have, you know, for example, the group games. We we might have a situation where he's not going to be like that. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because uh, he said he has to be playing either yeah. way. That's yeah. what you need. You can't have it. He goes back to United and sits on the bench. No, exactly. What about Aaron Wambasaka? I think it's so difficult that right back position because you see, he's not yet No, not yet. No. Fucking he was in. That. He was in the. He was in the last squad and then he had a back injury, so he pulled out. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, because I knew. I knew. Before he'd had the call up. It's almost like you would want to do a Chelsea, and you've got so many great right backs. You'd want to play one at left back. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a joke, isn't it? Like, how can you find space for Aaron Wambasaka, Trent Alexander Arnold, who's probably got to be starting? Carl Walker's fallen out of favour, even though you would probably have him in for the experienced head. We've got Rhys James coming through, obviously, Joe Chelsea Gomez. as well. 
I'd have Joe Gomez in the centre defence personally. Yeah, I'm just saying like, he's another right back up. That's that's true, but it's like how... even Trippier's done all right over in Spain. So if we were well, yeah. on, if we were in worse times, he would have been the yeah, one we missed right out as well. Yeah. We'll get to him there. Maitland um, Niles, I'm assuming that's the <laughs> spoiler alert. Do, do you think he gets in the squad, or do you think he is he is just unfortunate that Trent can do what he does and offers a bit more and. Yeah. Yeah, Wamba Saka so. isn't as versatile as Joe Gomez. I th- I think he puts Wamba Saka in the squad. I think he has another good. I see what you're saying with Gomez. The fact that he's ideal for World Cup, he can play all across the back four. Mm. Right? So he will be that option. But I think I still think he'll have Wamba Saka in there. I I do have a concern that things become a lot more black and white than they are with Trent and Wamba Saka, whereby. We think we can be more attacking. We play Trent. We think we've got to be more defensive. We play one the sack. I think it's a dangerous mindset to get into, but I could see it happening. Mm. So, like, like Trent what, can't defend, having played yeah. in a team that's done X amount. But there we go. What about um, Bukayo Saka then? Didn't mention him much when we did the Wolves game, but he has just to be a new deal. He's starting week in, week out. Yeah, I think he has to be in. I mean, if you look at our options at left back, the segment's arguably set up for him, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That More is so for um, Mason Greenwood, but it does help that he scored in the same weekend. Does so. add, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think who realistically next year are going to be our left back options? You're going to have. That's the issue Saka. whether he plays as left back because he's uh, he Would can you play just about anywhere, which does help his position. They're going to say we love doing that at World Cup, don't we? So. Mm. We love those he options. Is, he is a left winger, but obviously he's played most of the season at left back. He's also played uh, central midfield and right wing. So it's like the whole kind of Ryan Sessegnon thing, where is he a winger? Is he a midfielder? Or is he a I left back? I don't know because he's on the opposite of Sessegnon. He's played, and that it's, not even, like, it's not even like Phil Jones because. Phil Jones was getting in squads on account of the fact that he was okay everywhere. <laughs> Saka, for the most part, has actually... Central midfield, he was okay. That was the position he probably didn't stand out in. But he's actually excelled in all of the other positions. Yeah, yeah. Sassanon isn't, isn't even on the bench tonight. That's mad, isn't it, really? So, do you think Saka gets in the squad, or do you think we do have a lot of wingers? So, it depends how Southgate sees him, because... I think you'd probably take him for the sake that you can play him at left back if you want to. He's your second left back then, isn't he? In essence, exactly. I think Chilwell is the one, and then it's, you have Saka as an attacking option who can play left back if needed. Surely, if you were playing a team that you knew was going to sit in like an Algeria or like a kind of like a defensive-minded team, you'd probably Don't play Saka. Don't mind that Algeria game, Crikey! <laughs> I know that's what I mean. But like you said, Byron, as well, he's excelled. And when he did play left back, I'll admit, I thought they were kind of throwing him to the wolves a little bit in doing that. <laughs> um, and, and I was I was impressed with how he did. So I've I've never the fact that he had the attitude that he'll play there as well is is a good thing. Because a lot of the young players would probably be like, look, that's not my position. Yeah, Maitland Niles made that mistake where he apparently just said, like, you know, I prefer playing here, and it's like, don't just don't even say it. So he yeah. actually came out and did a whole interview this week saying, like, look, if Arteta says to me, I want you to play in goal this week, I'll say, all right, where's he, the gloves? He quickly he quickly realised, hang on, I'm probably not getting it centre mid, I'll have to... Uh, it probably is an that. issue with the way that you come through as a player these days, though, because I know 
Robbie Savage spoke about that on his podcast where his son's however old and he was like people are saying you're a striker and you're like six years old and it's like what do you mean he's a striker at six years old he's, he, you don't know that yet so yeah yeah completely true so it probably like does killer instincts he's got like killer <laughs> instincts <laughs> yeah, I think Saka does seem to have that and does seem to have his head on his shoulders as well which mm. is good if he's yeah. not in the next squad like, it'll be mental because Hudson Adoy did nothing and got a call up yeah. He, actually had a, he actually had a good run that season. He's done nothing at all this season, obviously. Saka um, also has dual nationality, so mm, they're going to want to mm, get him called yeah. up quick. Because he's, yeah. he's part Nigerian, I believe. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it's a rush to get them a cap. And as soon as they've got the cap, then they can kind of put the brakes on. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's what I'd been thinking with one Saka. There was rumours of him going yeah. to play for Congo, wasn't there? That's what he, he played for he their um, under-18s. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's always been that mad rush, right? Get them one cap and then we can kind of make a decision whether we want them to play or not. We even did for Sterling, didn't we? Because we were worried that Jamaica yeah. was circling. So we were like, nah, it's not having that. Yeah. We, we had the chance to early. snap up Leon Bailey and didn't and let him go to Jamaica. Mm. That's Remember on the World Cup squad day, there was the rumour that he'd been called up. Yeah. So he put a line <laughs> yeah, in his Instagram caption. <laughs> yeah. How much of a cert is Greenwood then to go to the Euros? I think he's I, that fast, pacey striker that Kane isn't, and Vardy's obviously retired. He's so, probably fortunate that Tammy hasn't kicked on as well. Exactly. I, I mean, think, we, like... But, sorry, we are ahead. potentially prisoners at the moment, just in terms of... It's funny, isn't it? Before this lockdown, I don't think you would have said he was a shoo-in. Now I would say I can't imagine a squad without no. him in it. Which <laughs> mm. is, I think maybe we're all under this assumption he's just going to carry on like this constantly now. I think he looks like the player that just has that touch, though. You know, the one that, you know, when he shoots, it goes in. Like that rising, yeah. the goal where he shot with his right across the left side of the goal into the sort of left-hand corner smacked so much of Owen versus Argentina in 98, where it was just, he just flicked it, but it went top bins, just lifted there. And I like see the clip you... BT put out? No. No. So they, they've got their pitch side cameras, and so they've been putting out clips of you've been able to hear everything that's said on the pitch and you mm. can hear one of the defenders saying, don't let him turn, don't let him turn. And then the goal goes in and I'm not sure who it is. I think it might be Cook. It says, oh shit. And then Ramsdale loses and then, his head I and see. you see him walking him down. Yeah. Who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> All this, but it's quality putting them out to see what it's actually like. Troy actually said to me, he was like, if you look at some games... So he did it with Arsenal, obviously. But he was like, it is something in itself to hear this Arsenal squad communicating. So don't put the crowd noise on and have a listen. And it was actually really good seeing it without the commentary. Uh, without the crowd noise, sorry. I haven't watched a single game without the crowd noise. I haven't watched a single game with the crowd noise on. Um, like me and my brother straight from the gate have been watching it and just sort of listening to see what the communication is. Yeah, I preferred it when I've made the change. It's worth it's worth, it's worth mentioning. I have got the Tottenham game on, by the way, in case you hear yeah. any signs of despair. I've or got, I've got it on as well. <laughs> <laughs> to finish off the thing with Greenwood, there is, yeah. he is one of those players where I, you feel like I've almost no doubt he'll come good. It's not yeah. it's, you know see like a young player, you think he may or may not. I don't have too much doubt. I'm and I'm equally annoyed with the comparisons with Van Persie and also being <laughs> yeah. able to see them. But people he, are like, oh, he's just so much like him. It's like I get it. It does seem a bit premature, but also I do agree. He's yeah. built better than I thought he was. I thought he was 
think, quite little I, when he used to see pictures. I think, well, I think when that. he first broke in, I think he was. He's obviously been down the gym a bit. But uh, he's one of those rare ones. So many times you see a young player come through who's obviously good athletically, quick, but maybe the technical side needs to catch up on. He, he looks like he's technically efficient and happens to be quick as well, it seems yeah. to me. He's like, he gobbles up the chances that you know Tammy will miss. Yeah, yeah. And, look, whisper it quietly, but as good as Rashford is, I think he could quickly sort of show that, you know, how quickly a, a top talent can progress compared to a very, yeah, very good talent. Because it's interesting when you think that the wings are pretty much nailed down with Sterling in, in yeah. Sancho. So, Rashford really has to play for his place now. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's mad that you think if the England squad was picked tomorrow, I would put money on it that Greenwood got picked ahead of Ings. Yeah, because the, it's the big club syndrome. I, I would put, like, put the house on it. I would be that sure that's what was going to happen. I think, oh, yeah. Uh, if there was a case of like one spot left, those two to choose yeah. from, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think Danny Ings makes most of his goals because he plays in a Southampton team where Southampton are a team from another mid-table team or a bottom half team think, right, we can get so points what do people hold Letizia in such high regard? The way he was scoring more than anything. Yeah, I, I think it's what he did with the ball more than Quite the team it. that he played for. Whisper it quietly, all about Shearer. Let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben Mee, any, any shot he gets in? I don't think so. What about I don't think so. Phil Foden? Yeah, I think he has to. Yeah, I think he'll make it. He's cutting mustard. He's getting into Pep's first team now. When it's not like cup games. Like the goal he scored against Liverpool is brilliant. Yeah, he, he, he's he's a left... I think he might start getting played deeper next season. You know, well, he's a, he's yeah, I think he might well do. He's a left-footed midfielder as well, which is something that we just don't have. We are so right-footed in that team. That if you put like a left-footer in the midfield, I think that would really change things. And you're well, assuming the game time is only going to get more with David Silva, yeah. presumably yeah. still going as well. So we'll have yeah. a whole year. Yeah, if, if, he, if we were doing this this summer, I think there's a good chance he could have made the squad a full season behind him. You would surely... Yeah. yeah. The next then. player I was going to mention was Jack Grealish, who we spoke about when we did this feature on the England squad last time. And you would imagine Foden would be in our team under most of the same reasons we would put Grealish in there, in the fact that it's someone more mobile to complement Henderson. And that's not even to say Henderson isn't mobile, but he's not Grealish so mobile or I, Foden I, mobile. I, th- I think... I think the fact with Grealish is the fact that he can draw so many fouls and we are so strong from set pieces. He's like, yeah, true. He, he's, true. He's, the, he's the most fouled player in the Premier League. See, that's Sunis talking about him. I was, no. The fact that he gets fouled so much means that he doesn't see the full picture because he's getting tackled that often. Yeah. I, he draws I thought them. His, his criticism was partly... I, I thought... I was going to tell you about this. Say, like, a pundit can criticise that is kind of like, oh, oh, yeah. I know I know the tone of how Sunas does it is maybe a bit provocative for people but like now they're kind of saying like well, he's the next one he's got a vendetta on it's like, okay is he only ever going to say positive things for, for what it's worth I think Grealish is, is great at attracting the foul but there are times also I watch him where I think that's great he's attracted to the foul he also could have released the ball and passed someone and they could yeah. and, and it might like, be different you, if he's playing with better players yeah absolutely and, and Jack is right for England that's going to be particularly beneficial that Often we're not just good on set pieces; we're often reliant on set pieces. You yeah, know, maybe yeah. we shouldn't be. Yeah. But um, if you, 
but if he wants to go to the next level, I think him sort of, even now can release the ball a little bit quicker than he does. It's somebody he's got so much better at. But, I but think I've got he can because he's obviously got a great it, pass on him as well. I've got a stat he, here that basically says he is second in the chances created table behind Kevin De Bruyne with 80 chances this season. And there's more than James Madison, more than our, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and more than Buendia as well. So it's like De Bruyne ahead by like 22. He is, <laughs> yeah, he it, is but then at the same time, when you're playing with that caliber of players, oh yeah, playing, I just mean the gap. I have so many yeah, the, the gap mental. the gap is huge, and I'm not we, saying that he's anywhere close to Kevin De Bruyne, but you have like a set defence against an England team that if you're playing Kane, you're not the most mobile. He could potentially draw someone out and make yeah. something happen more than, say, I don't know, another midfielder in that position. Deli Ali? Dyer. Dyer. Yeah. So my point, so I, I mentioned this the other week, but like, I, well, Luke um, referenced it on last week. I was sort of saying, if um, Jack, you, you, if you take Jack Grealish, you, you, the Deli Ali doesn't make it for me because they're too the way that they both hold up the play. You, it's just two of the same. I just don't see how they both make it into the squad. And then, again, even though even though even though I can't, I, I I don't agree with it. But I can see Deli Ali still making the squad. Yeah, after he, the season, he does like he has, him, doesn't he? If he has another season like this season, I don't think he can. Like, I certainly don't think you can have Grealish, Madison, and Ali either. I think one has mm. to miss out there. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. And if at the minute it would be Ali for me. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. As you said, though Southgate, I think does like him. And, and sounds strange to say about someone who's still only what like twenty six, twenty seven, but Ali is experienced as well. So yes. I don't necessarily agree with that argument, but that will be the argument used for. I imagine he has players that he trusts, like Lingard. Yeah. Oh Christ. If you had to put money down today, would you have? Would you think Grealish is going to be in the squad? No, I wouldn't say so. I think he will. Is it what is his squad? Is in squad? Is if is it is in the squad was picked? Let's say tomorrow or no for next year. year. Oh, for next year. Well, it all end up where he ends up as well, I guess. He would be. Yeah. I'd like to hope they would be. Because I think it depends. It hinges. Do you think it hinges on yeah whether he leaves Villa or not? He's going to have to be playing in the Prem, isn't he? I think, yeah. I, yeah, I think he'll have to leave Villa because we want to see him in a team with strikers that can create chances and put them away. Oh, well, not one yeah. yeah, and that would be the real telltale if he can play in an England squad in a World Cup is can he play with better players or does he get lost in the bye? It's like Barkley when he was at Everton. He tore it all everywhere up before he got injured, obviously. And everyone was thinking, right, is this like the new Gaza? And then he goes to a bigger team, and yeah, he's scoring goals at the the moment, but he's still not where we thought he was going to be. Like, we had that discussion last week, is he the fall of his potential? But again, he's another player that Southgate trusts. He always picks Barkley. Mm. So you know, United know. fans are saying they want Greenish if they don't already have enough wingers as centre midfielders. So well, that's the problem. He's going to have to pick his next move carefully. So because if United do go in for him at the minute. Pogba and Bruno are your, sort of your creative influences in the middle. They're obviously not going to play him as the hold of midfield, and he's not going to play on the wings, is he? So he's United will be a horrible fit for him. He needs to come to the carpet and play at the Emirates. I was about to say... I, yeah, I think this move makes sense. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I think him to go into Arsenal would probably make most sense. Probably Arsenal or Spurs, ironically. Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. could have either of those two teams. But Ali's got to go if he's, if he's coming this way. Essentially, I think you can 
In a weird way, this is the same scenario with Spurs at the moment. I don't see Mourinho selling. Uh, I don't see Mourinho selling um, Dele Alli. I think Dele Alli is a Mourinho kind of player to a certain extent. I don't know who would buy Dele Alli. Who would be in the market yeah, for Dele Alli still... right now? Yeah, who would yeah, give him exactly. the money that he want for him? Certainly, exactly. There's no, there's no he's going to be. He's nobody's coming in for the money for him. I mean, we'd have no. to really let him go. At ridiculous, like a ridiculous loss. And I think you kind of see him as a a real asset. It can be so. Because bear in mind, not so long ago, they were saying one day he could go to Real Madrid or whatever. That, that seems quite distant now. That's what they were looking at him as. If we do end up with, obviously we went in for Jack Grealish um, in the start of the, pre- the summer window going into this season, I think it was, and um, it'd be interesting to see if we do still have that interest there and we go for him and then you've got Dele Alli and Grealish and it turns into a competing for a place rather than playing alongside each other. We run through some of the other players we've got then before we close out, so any chance Ryan Sessegnon gets in? At the moment, I don't know how he does because he's just it raw. The thing is, I'm almost forgetting he's forgetting he yeah. exists. There's no yeah, game. Exactly. I mean, it, it's just it's not even. I don't know what's again. Like so, I mentioned this evening, he's not even on the bench. Um, his game time, as it is, has been limited. Um, I mean, I don't think he's been given a fair opportunity right now. I look at you know Aurier playing on the right back, and I'd happily stick him there and seeing what he's got over Aurier um, on a sort yeah. of like. Uh, on a sustained pit, on a sustained basis, I honestly would, because right, because right now I'd rather see. He's, le- he's, he's a left-sided player though, so it's not going to work. He's inverted yeah. fullbacks. In all fairness, you know I don't really care when it comes to right and left backs. <laughs> but, as, um, but yeah, assessing your, but that, that's the thing. I mean, at the moment, Aurier offers me nothing, so I'll take whatever. You must have missed that game when Chimbonda played left back. <laughs> <laughs> I think what? if. Ryan Sessegnon wasn't left-footed, he wouldn't even be in the conversation. Yeah, I think we are so... Right. I've essentially just got young players that haven't been right. capped. Well, I was going to say, yeah. and, and the fact that he was taught very highly when he was a 17-year-old yeah. Fulham, and it just mm. hasn't quite happened since, has it? But no. yeah, for the reason Jack said, if he can get a good season behind him, he'll be potentially in for the same reasons we said about Saka. And who knows, maybe it could be a fight between those two for one spot in there. Hmm. Uh, yeah, 1-0. Or maybe they'll both get in over Chilwell. That's Lo Celso, isn't it? <laughs> what was the first technique? Worth <laughs> <laughs> hey. every penny. Worth every penny. He's equaled, was... He's equaled Pepe's kids. That reflection that <laughs> there, though. What about Ainsley Maitland-Niles? I think too much congestion in the positions he's going to be fighting for, potentially. Hey, he did play left-back this weekend. So. Hey, Kane's offside <laughs> there, Alex. Kane's offside yeah. there. At all, um, Harvey Barnes. <laughs> no, no, and I like him. But yeah, I like him. But no, say, I he deserves more of a shout than some of the ones we've mentioned. So, don't be giving it that snigger, yeah. <laughs> Brandon it's Williams. Unfashionable name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Again, it depends how he kicks on this season. But left-sided players and what we need. And if he is, if Sack is not going to be a backup left back, he is going to go either not go or go as a winger, then you'd probably say Brandon Williams. He hasn't really done much wrong this season. No. Um, he does look a good young player. Yeah. He just looks like a shit house, and you need that in a team. <laughs> I remember when Pedson Adore tried to push him, he threw him into the stands and injured him. I think <laughs> like, that's the kind of player that you need in a World Cup team, someone that's going to go into bat for you. If, you. if you get someone lightweight that gets snapped... 
you know that he's going to go and snap him twice as hard. He's a bit yeah, of an odd one as well, coming through as a right-footed left-back is odd. I know United have got that whole yeah. Dennis Irwin thing going on. But... <laughs> yeah. Martin Tyler said during the Arsenal-Wolves game, he was like, I don't know if this phrase is still fashionable. Lucas Torreira is what you'd call a uh, ratter. Hang on. <laughs> Come on. He was like, might not have been the best choice of words, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, Jonathan Panzo. He can play on my left as well. I'm centre-back. Unlikely, I know, but... Yeah, I think, I think that's a reach, that one. Rhys James? Again, it's difficult because there's so much. <laughs> Let's play several full-backs. Yeah. I, I, if Aaron Wampazaka goes and Trent Alexander goes and you've got Joe Gomez that can come, I just can't see him going this time. No. He just needs to have a ridiculous season to force Trent into midfield, essentially, is what a right-back has to do. Yeah, that is essentially going to be it, isn't it? And then we're going to try and force Trent into midfield and... I, I could see it, you know, because I, 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 I do like James as well. I think he's a very good player. So I, I wouldn't rule that out. What about Dwight McNeil? Can that's all you, all you have to know. That says he's it all. a good young player. Yeah, yeah, I do. he is a good player. I think not this time round, though. Same with uh, Eddie Nketiah, I've said mainly just so I've mentioned him, but I, th- I think he needs to grow out a bit is part of the issue and the other issue is like we said the other strikers because he's not as prolific as Greenwood and he's not as prolific as Ings or Kane depends what we're going to do doesn't it though because if you know in terms of playing through the middle there are a lot of them do tend to play wide if he if he ends up getting a bit of a run for Arsenal through the middle who knows but essentially we've got Kane Ings and Tammy in that regard it's essentially him and Lacazette fighting for who's going to be playing and one of them scores and they start the next week and then yeah. to be fair to be competing with Lacazette for all I say about him at this age isn't bad going it's not bad no he's got a kick on and finally um, Morgan Gibbs-White he's like the forgotten man when you look at the prospects of English football that was spoken about because he was right up there true probably not going to do is he on, on current no. trajectory he's unfortunate that they've uh, what's his name um all centre midfielder linked with Spurs every year. Jamatino. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he's still going means that he hasn't really had the place to slot in. And then Ruben Neves is in there permanently. So it's not a bad little uh, combo in there for him. I remember when no. he was hot, hot property as well. Everyone was touting him and then he went to Monaco. And I was I just find it mad that Wolves. We were waiting for Spurs to come in every year and they never did. <laughs> He actually legit was linked with Everton for a bit, rather than James. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the fact you that said, it, as, he got to a certain on. age, and then eventually he was, all right, let's give it a go for the money, and then he's just turned out to be brilliant. There's a bit of a uh, bit of a wild card one. Do you reckon that Bellingham could make it? If he has a good well, he's going. At he's going to Dortmund, twenty-three million, which it That's wouldn't have been I mean. that for any English league club so if he has any what, even like semi-decent year for Dortmund I'm only really going on football manager and little clips <laughs> but he, he he does look special in what you see of him that's it I, I was just thinking of earlier all he's got to do is have a, a semi-decent year at, at Dortmund and he could be a sort of the wild card options that we end up taking 
Giovanni Reiner as well. Because mm. he's, he's, he's English and we're apparently trying to get him in the sides and he's starting to play more for Dortmund now. So It's such a valuable model, isn't it? Dortmund's model, buying in good wingers that they know won't get game time at other big clubs. Mm. Knowing, and English ones as well, because Premier League teams love English players. So they'll buy all the young English talent, nurture them, and then sell them for like a hundred million profit. But Did I you said Pep Sulkin when they asked if there's a chance he could bring Sancho in to replace Sane. No, no, I didn't. He was like, he, he left. Why, 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 why would he come back? <laughs> he, like, he chose to leave. He chose to leave. Why, why would he come back? Mm. So. Yeah, I've, I just find it, it's going to be an absolute obscene amount of money that's going to prize him away from Dortmund because yeah. Dortmund have bought him for the sole reason to make that kind of money. Yeah, Knowing 120 what, minimum will be... Yeah, exactly. Do you know, do you know said, how, how much longer is on his contract? A couple of years, I think. He signed a new contract only last year, I think. Exactly. So, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous amounts of money. So we said Dean Henderson... Um, Phil Foden and Greenwood almost definitely in the squad. Mm. Saka probably and Grealish maybe, and then the rest not not yet. James Madison got a cap yet? Yeah, um, I believe he has one. Yeah, he does have one. He came out of the sub because that's what I checked. Cool. If last thing before uh, I I let you go, I've got I think five pieces of transfer gossip. So if I just read them out to you and you can react as you do. Chelsea are looking to sell six players to fund the transfer of Germany midfielder Kai Havertz, who's valued at about £90 million by his club, Bayer Leverkusen. Again, it's one of those where midfield is not where we need to be strengthening. We've got a good midfield. <laughs> I'm pretty... Like, that's the one <laughs> Depends part on the of the team that I'm that... absolutely nailed on, happy with. Hey, if you think Mount's good, Havertz is oh, no, three, four watching... times the man. No, I've been watching Havertz and he is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The year so I've started supporting Leverkusen and they're going to lose uh, Havertz, Bailey, or just about everyone else. It's just <laughs> supporting the Knicks. If um, I, I just, we just need to like, because Epicano apparently we're going in for a place for Leipzig. I think we're all in for him. <laughs> yeah. But in like that final Kulabali transfer that's been like kind of yeah. doing the rounds for the last four years. Apparently City are getting for him. Yeah, um, right, probably Arsenal and Napoli are both interested in Newcastle's French winger Alan St. Maximan, 23 years of age. That's an Arsenal transfer if I ever saw one. He is your type of player, tricky. It's like a Jovino, but a little bit better, more end product. And what we're going to do with Saka because he plays mm. left wing. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, Paris Saint Germain are looking at a move for Arsenal and Spain right back Hector Bellerin. With Juve and Bayern Munich also interested. Jesus Christ. I don't know what they're seeing there. (laughs) (laughs) It's the pace he used to have. He was known as. But he doesn't have it anymore. Exactly, that's what I mean. It's almost like he's dining out on his pace from a couple of years. Planting them trees. Bayern Munich midfielder Thiago Alcantara, 29, is desperate for a move to the Premier League, with Liverpool eyeing a 32 million move for the Spain international. I think he's a good buy for anyone who gets 29. Him. I can't believe he's 29. I know. Yesterday, he was, a, he was a young wonder kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, talking of, like, weird young wonder kid transfers, Arta to um, yeah. Juventus and Pjanic to yeah. an ageing Barcelona team. I just don't... That transfer, it's, like, it's got 
smacks of Kevin Prince Boating written all over <laughs> it. Like, Someone um, said that with Barca's transfer strategy, they're going to go in for Frank Ribery from uh, Fiorentina and uh, offer them Ansu Fati. I just find that such an odd transfer, especially when you needed like someone who's come through the ranks, young, loves the club, years left in him, and you kind of trade him off for Pjanic, who's what turning yeah. thirty this year. I, said and I to, saw I saw a tweet saying, "Sorry, Tuki." I, I, like I said, I said, said to Luke is a financial fiddling rather than a yeah, which isn't a good look. Like Jack said, someone who sort of a young player doesn't look good to get rid of him. No. I saw a tweet saying that his last two clubs then are going to be the only two clubs in the world that he wouldn't take free kicks at with Ronaldo and now Messi. <laughs> yeah. the, for the Thiago to live for one, it's, it's one of those ones where you think, I don't really believe it, but then the noise just doesn't stop. Yeah, it's come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and when it just it's like things don't go away, it's something, OK, maybe this is actually happening. I, I think when you... Party to Arsenal, which is what's getting me too excited. <laughs> that would be a great sign for Arsenal. It's like when you look around the top clubs, who needs a good ball-playing, controlling midfielder? And it'll be Arsenal. Yeah, or yeah I don't a know if Bakayoko is available. Or, yeah, <laughs> or Liverpool, because you think yeah. with Wijnaldum, Henderson, can they stay fit all season? Look how much you missed Henderson when he wasn't fit. I know you didn't lose many games, obviously, but you did look like a different team. But someone to control the ball, you'd fit right in at Liverpool, I think. I think Liverpool should um, get the deal over the line with one album, and then if you've got enough money left over, then come back in for um, Thiago. The other one's considered. I would probably be inclined to agree, yeah. Rakitic is free this summer. Really? So why not go for that rather than Thiago when you're probably going to pay more money, but not paying a fee? Barca are pretty fair as well. I think he's. I think he's nearly 30. I was going to say, I thought he was the wrong side of 30. I thought he was 31, 32. If, if, you give, if you give the years to Barca, they are usually pretty fair with the fee they'll let you go for as well. They're more than generous with the fee they'll pay you as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard rumours that they've, like, because of so many flop transfers, they've almost bankrupted themselves. Not bankrupted the point where they'll go in that's what Tico was saying about with the Pjanic transfer yeah it just seems odd everything just seems off like you think they're not well run (laughs) like yeah they were going to but they bought Griezmann because that just was going to happen then all of a sudden his goal yesterday yeah it was brilliant it was brilliant but then all of a sudden Neymar became available and they were like literally scraping the barrel scuffling around six players (laughs) it was just ridiculous but the thing was then They'd already had to publicly take a bank loan to fund the Griezmann deal. Yeah. Now, I'm sure for hundreds of millions of pounds, that's commonplace. But the fact that this had to go, uh, this had to go public was quite a clear sign that you do not have the facilities to go get Neymar. Exactly. The first we'd heard of that, I think, was when Alex was saying about um, how you they financed the Ronaldo transfer. Mm. Uh, you sure? That was me. Well, I was giving you props. In, he tried to so. give you some credit there. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember that now. What did I say? They, they take it out against um, like a car company and they funded part of the Ronaldo transfer, essentially. 
I think that was partially what was going on, but I think the original conversation was when I was talking about what Real Madrid get up to with their purchasing in terms of how basically they sell their training ground uh, when they need an injection of cash. They sell <laughs> the training ground to the council, well, to the estate or the council, which is effectively the crown, because uh, obviously it's the king's club, and uh, and then the just it allows them to buy it back partially over time. Their, their, their ex-head of referees came out at a weekend and said that 90% of the referees support Real Madrid and the other 10% support Barca. So <laughs> yeah, because that, that um, transfer for Ronaldo, I heard that obviously Jeep sponsored Juventus and Jeep, Jeep actually paid a massive chunk of the transfer fee because yeah. they thought of the advertising of having Ronaldo shirts <laughs> with Jeep on the front of it. Everyone's going to be going out and buying a Jeep because they're watching ex- Ronaldo. Exactly. <laughs> so they'll see the return because of how much advertising and kind of notoriety to be getting for Ronaldo wearing a Jeep shirt. <laughs> um, last two bits then. So Everton boss Carlo Ancelotti says he will not sell his star players with France defender Luca Dina, Brazilian forward Richarlison and English defender Mason Holgate linked with summer moves away. And finally... Big bombshell here. Manchester United made a mistake not signing Norway forward Erling Bro Haaland before he moved to Dortmund, says the former field of Paul Skulls. <laughs> Cheers, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice one, Paul. Uh, <laughs> if only they'd be interested, eh? <laughs> so that just about does us for today. If I give us the quick plug, this Friday we have another episode of Movie Madness coming 21 Jump Street against Step Brothers. Which do you prefer, Harper and AJ? It's going to have to be Step Brothers just for how many times I've watched it. But that's not to say 21 Jump Street isn't also way up there on my favourite films list. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rewatch of that in particular. Yeah, 21 Jump Street is just so funny. AJ? 21 Jump Street's a good... Like, it's good. It's got, I think it's, it's got a few really good moments, but Step Brothers for me. And of course, Charmed, because it was a birthday present from you once. Step Brothers, I think, is one of the early favourites to the tournament. So, yeah, shock if that goes out. But until then, thanks again for listening to another edition of Spitballing Pod. We've got about two hours there, so hopefully you stay till the end. We'll keep you updated on the world record attempts, and we'll be back. Thank you.